Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of The, the Geek, Geek Buddies. Buddies. Hey, hey. Oh, cheers. cheers. That's right. You catch us here. We're having a, a couple of, we're having a few drinks here, just uh, enjoying ourselves as we, uh, you know, start the first episode of this show. I am John Roca. Some of you may know me from Collider. Some of you may know me from the Top Ten Show, from Cinephiles. Assorted other things that I do around in my life to pay the bills. Uh, and I will uh, start off first saying that the reason we wanted to do this show, the reason I wanted to do this show, that's for sure, is to spend more time with my friends, but to also talk about so many things in the world of entertainment, so many geek stuff, so many film stuff, so much t- TV stuff, all with two friends that I've known for over 20 years and who've been friends of mine uh, through thick and thin, and we've and they've guessed it on Outlaw Nation. They guessed it on Cinephiles uh, and the Top Ten Show. So I'll let them introduce themselves and give their uh, uh, resumes and go from there. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Michael Vogel. Uh, hey! Uh, yeah, uh, first part of my resume is I've been friends with these two guys longer than I care to say. Uh, I'm also a, uh, a writer and producer uh, of animated TV and features. Yeah. That, that, that is what I do. So you might know my work from, uh, from My Little Pony, Young Justice, Avengers, Stretch Armstrong, a whole host of things. Uh, young Justice? Yes, Young you Justice. You mentioned that? Yeah, yep. yeah. Oh, did you say Young I Justice? Did, yeah. I did, but I'll say it again because I love that show. Part of the thing is that you have to listen to what other people are saying. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Jesus. So yeah, so I will uh I, I will always uh, I will always be excited to bring some animation news to the Geek Buddies. Um and yeah, and and as Roka was saying, I'm excited to talk uh, with them and with all you guys about geek stuff and uh we were talking about this before we started recording and uh yeah. Kind of what I'm excited about is there's a lot of uh, negativity in fandoms today. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people get really mad, uh, get really divisive. And 
we've got a lot of divisiveness in this country, and I don't think fandom and geekdom is somewhere where we need it. And so I do not always agree with these guys. We get in some pretty heated debates, mm-hmm. but we're always friends. And so I'm excited to kind of create a space for geeks to come and express their opinions and not get screamed at. There you go. I love that. <laughs> I love that completely. Uh, all right. And our third member of the Geek Buddies. And my name is Shannon McClung. Hey! <laughs> and the reason I didn't hear Michael say Young Justice is because I was taking a sip of this double IPA that he so graciously oh, brought yeah. for me called an Ocularity. It is quite, it's 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 strong. So I apologize. <laughs> I, I will be sipping on this uh, uh, conservatively. Um, and I think the reason that I wanted to do this besides just getting to hang out with two of my best friends, um, this is what we've done for years. Yeah. We would go see a movie uh, here in Los Angeles, we would make our way to a bar afterwards. Sometimes it would be two of us. Sometimes it would mm. be three of us. Sometimes it would be 10 to 20 of us, depending on what that movie was. And for years, we've said somebody should be recording this. this is, <laughs> I mean, one, I think it's informative, but also I think I think we were quite entertaining. Yeah. And I agree with you. You can all be the judge. <laughs> but also, um, as as Mike said, talking about the, the divisiveness in fandom, I think we need to rediscover the joy of that. Yeah. Because we're living in a great time where we're getting properties adapted from things that we never thought were going to happen. Like if you had said even 15 years ago that you're going to get a, a, an Ant-Man movie, yeah. an Ant-Man and the Wasp sequel. That's insane. So let's appreciate this. Let's try to be positive about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and all of us have worked in the business in separate uh, arenas. You know, Mike has mentioned he's a writer, he's a producer, he's written lyrics for songs in animated features. Shannon is an actor who's been in numerous shows. Oh, sorry, I didn't mention that, did I? Yeah, double, tell him. Double tell, IPA. Tell him what you are. Tell him what you are. <laughs> so yes, I've been uh, acting. <laughs> I've been acting professionally for about. 25 years is this, now. Is this podcast really just going to deal with your alcoholism? Apparently. Is that, yeah. is that what this is? My, well, my, he is Scottish. My, my inability to hold my liquor. That's right here. Boom. It's, it's been three minutes. <laughs> I know. I've had two sips. <laughs> I'm glad I'm on this comfy couch right yeah. now. Uh, but yes, I've, I've been acting in television in Los Angeles for about 15 years. Um, I have recurred on Silicon Valley, on The Mentalist. I've been on Modern Family, on mm. Workaholics. Um, and within the last few years, I've also, thanks to partly to Mr. Michael Vogel to my right, I've gotten into uh, animation writing. Yeah. And I've had the pleasure of working on, with Mike on a few shows. We've uh, co-written a few scripts. I think we, we do a pretty good job together. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not a lot of work. <laughs> you don't drink when we're writing. <laughs> do I not? <laughs> yeah, like, like uh, both of my compatriots have said, we've done this numerous times. Just sit around and talk about uh, a film or a news item or a TV show, or something that's popped up in geek fandom, and we've had our, we've agreed with each other, we've uh, battled with each other. There's been some heated text chains. There's been some heated text chains. Well-placed, <laughs> well-placed gifts. Gifts, yes, or gifs, depending on how you say it. Occasionally, Kalinowski will dip in and have his his point of view uh, destroyed by us, uh, <laughs> or occasionally oh. occasionally supported. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, we we're just great friends. He gets his licks in. Yeah, he does get I his licks in. I love my Kalinowski. Yeah, we all do. Um, and the tone of text can sometimes be difficult to ascertain. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's a very good point. But we, you know, we've done this for so long, and and you know, I think what Mike said is a great point. We want to like kind of have a show where we can discuss and debate and have heated opinions, but still come out friends on the other side. Maybe put a little karma back into the world of positivity. 
that can, you know, change people, maybe change your perception and maybe give you a new point of view or perspective on something that you hadn't thought about. It's like we say on My Little Pony, <laughs> friendship is magic. There you oh. go. What did you say about the buddies thing? Why we, oh, we called the geek buddies. Uh, tell them why we call the geek buddies. Oh, well, we said, you know, I mean, obviously we're all buddies, but I think one of the things that we're really excited about is, uh, you know, as, as Johnny said, we've all been working in this industry a long time. We all work in very different areas, and we have friends all over the place yeah. uh, who are writers and producers and podcasters and actors mm-hmm. and casting directors and executives and uh and they all work in different parts of this industry in all kinds of cool geeky ways and uh we're excited to bring them on the show we're yeah. gonna bring you guys guests we're gonna bring you guys interviews and we're gonna bring you guys people that uh have perspectives on things that you might not have thought of before and we're just really excited to bring our buddies uh, and let them become your buddies. So Boom. that's a big thing that we're looking forward to. Uh, so like we got a lot of plans. We've got a lot of plans for we this do. podcast and we we're do. really excited about it. Uh, but uh, so why don't we get the ball rolling on today's episode? Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that idea completely. So to let you know how the show is going to work today, we are going to have like a geek roundup. So a news item. Each one of us has picked out a news item that we want to talk about and get everyone's perspective on. And then after that, we're going to do a review of Avengers Endgame, our own uh, unique thoughts on the just film. Just a little movie, a little indie movie that just came yeah, out. Yeah, a little indie movie that came out and absolutely destroyed everything in its path. And then I, and then I think if we have time, we're going to hit Game of Thrones and talk about how that... Uh, Battle of Winterfell slash The Long Night went. Um, we're recording this on a Wednesday night, trying to get it up in time before the new episode of Game of Thrones comes out. So it might not come out, it, it, the episode might not come out in time before the Game of Thrones episode. So cut us a little slack if you're hearing that part of the of the podcast. All right, let's get into this situation. I would like to start, if that's all right, with you two. Yep. Go for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. all right. So the thing I want to bring up is this Mark Hamill tweet. It really struck me. I know there's a million things going on in the world of geekdom right now, but this is the one that I wanted to bring up to you guys because we're all massive Star Wars fans at varying degrees, at varying degrees. And we you know, we love the franchise. Obviously, uh, Cinephiles with uh, Steve Morris. Uh, Mike, you've been on to do all the trilogy, the original trilogy right yes. now. But we all talk Star Wars. We all... Like when we go to Comic-Con, we talk about all the stuff that drops down there. So Mark Hamill has had this interesting approach to the world since The Last Jedi dropped. Um, Force Awakens, everything was love and hugs and roses and sleepovers and, you know, doing hearts over the eyes and and everything like that. But since Last Jedi came out, I feel like he's had a bit of a passive-aggressive relationship with Star Wars, with Ryan Johnson, with the fandom in general, uh, and he tweeted this thing um, on April 26th. It was a picture uh, with the Star Wars logo of the uh, what should have been instead of the Rise of Skywalker there. And it's Han Solo, it's Lando, it's Leia, and it's Mark Hamill as Luke. All of them, their current looks as old people in this current picture. Current looks. So, el- <laughs> so elderly. Elderly, yes. Basically elderly. And he put hashtag missed opportunities. And this caused an uproar in the Star Wars fandom because obviously there are people who feel Ryan Johnson's movie was great and other people who feel it was middling and some people who feel like it wasn't good at all and it wasn't Star Wars. So that film itself caused so much division in Star Wars and in the fandom, and then it led to the destruction, I think, of Solo at the box office, 
Uh, and we just, I feel like we've just finally come back around. I think Star Wars Resistance did a nice job. I think the uh, books have done a nice job. And then the trailer drops and everybody is back on board. There's happiness again with the Skywalker. I mean, sorry, with the Star Wars fandom. There's happiness in the world with Star Wars. And then Mark Hamill drops this tweet and it causes division again. Some noted writers like Anthony Bresnikan called him out on it from EW and other people did. And then other people, other fans supported Mark Hamill saying this. And I'm just confused about why you would like just poke the bear or the lion in the cage and get a reaction like this. And to be fair to Mark Hamill, he retracted the tweet and said, you know, like, I, uh, you know, maybe I should have just tweeted Avengers Endgame spoilers, but, you know, uh, this is what I tweeted and I apologize if anybody's heard. I was just joking. And it clearly and, felt like damage control. It did. It yeah. Like he always does because he did that after Last Jedi as well when he said, uh, this isn't my version of Luke. And it's like, well, I was just saying blah, blah, blah. So this is why I want to get you guys take on this because it's very frustrating for me. I mean, I think like, first of all, I think we can all agree Agree that it is clear that Mark Hamill has had a conflicted relationship with Star Wars since Last Jedi. Like <laughs> yes. whatever he has said yeah. to try and cover it up, clearly he was not thrilled yeah. with the portrayal of Luke, and that has led, led to a division. I happen to really love Last Jedi. I like a lot of the Luke Skywalker stuff, uh, but clearly he didn't, and because the guy playing Luke Skywalker didn't, that allowed a lot of Star Wars fans to be like, "See, see." I think a couple things about this tweet. I, I actually I love this image. Nobody. That's a great image. as a as a Star Wars fan who is also intensely gay. Nobody <laughs> wants to see the Golden Girls version of Star Wars more than me. I want the Golden Girls theme song playing as the Millennium Falcon goes into hyperspace. I am down for all of it. Chewbacca playing Estelle Getty. Like I'm into it. I'm I'm down. And no one's ever described Mike as passively gay. No, He's no, no. Intensely gay. Intensely, intensely gay. gay. I really um, like. Gay. That being yeah. said, I think that I think that where Mark Hamill is at is sort of where the Star Wars franchise is at, and I think it kind of represents the challenges that Star Wars has, which yeah. is Star Wars is a brand that started in 1977. It is now 2019. Yeah. And the fact that we have a story that started in film that has become so huge. I mean, I was just uh, texting my friends today trying to figure out how we're getting our reservations into Galaxy's Edge when it opens oh, yeah. next month. Like The fact that we are all this obsessed with Star Wars so many years later is amazing. It's also challenging because we are now at a precipice where there's a bunch of guys like us who have grown up loving Star Wars yeah. and girls, guys and girls, everybody who's, who've grown up loving Star Wars who wants nothing more than to see these missed opportunities. We want old Han, old Luke, old Leia, old Lando, and that right. would make us happy. There is a whole generation of kids that do not care. Yeah. And there's a whole gener like first of all, there's a generation of kids, not even kids anymore. There's a generation just under us who are all in their 20s right. who will argue vehemently that the prequels are the best thing that they've ever seen because that's what they grew up on. Right. And we're about to get into a whole group of people who don't care about any of that and are going to think that Ray and Finn and Poe and BB-8 are the greatest thing that they've ever seen. Right. And that's their thing. And I think the fact that Star Wars is this brand that has transcended generations and each generation has their own Star Wars is a good thing. Yeah. It will be interesting to see if Disney and Lucasfilm can figure out what to do past episode nine to sustain that. But I think, yeah. I think Mark Hamill's tweet basically represents that. It is the passing of the guard and sometimes the passing of the guard isn't a beautiful thing. It's, it's challenging and some people feel butthurt about it yeah basically <laughs> so i'm of two minds about this so on on one hand from the actor point of view that they go to mark hamill and they say we're doing more star wars movies 
uh, Luke's coming back. We're going to put you in the gym. We're going to eat, make you eat oh, true. food good that point. doesn't yeah. taste good. Make you drink yeah. the green milk from the alien teat. Blorg. <laughs> <laughs> Giant's milk. Sorry, different property. <laughs> but he had to do all this work to find out he is in the last shot of, of uh, The Force Awakens. Right. And he doesn't even get to talk. And then when he does get to be sort of front and center for the next movie... It is a take on the character character that is sort of diametrically opposed as to the way he sees it. Right. So as an actor, I understand the umbrage there of like, man, had you told me all this up front, I don't know if I would have signed on. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate um, thing as an actor is that you are beholden to whatever the director or producer creates. And this, let's not forget, Mark Hamill was doing... He was successful to the degree that you can be as a voiceover artist, but no one was clamoring to have Mark Hamill come back on their movie no. and be on their, you know, lead a film or be an integral part of the film. It wasn't until he came back with The Force Awakens that you saw him in Kingsman, right? Like right. you saw him physically in a movie. He was not on a lot of films that often, maybe occasional TV show, but he wasn't on, like no one was clamoring to put him in feature films. So to me, it's a weird thing. It's like you got to understand the status that you're at here and what your situation I, is. Right. I don't know, though, because I also think, to be fair to Mark Hamill, yeah. I think Mark Hamill was, is very happy with his life. Mm -hmm. I think Mark Hamill has had a great life. Like, obviously, he was Luke Skywalker. He went on and did other things. Maybe nothing to that level, but what right. is on that level uh, when you're like the greatest hero in all of sci-fi fantasy. Um, but, you know, he's the Joker. He's done all these things. He's great. And I think he's had a really solid life. And I think he's made peace with his career and where he's at with it. I don't right. think that he's clamoring to be like, this is my big chance for it. This, this is my John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Right, right, right. I think he's very content. I think what he is doing on Twitter and what yeah. he's doing is just a very genuine like guy who feels very close to this character and this brand that has opinions on it. But don't you think you should feel some responsibility? Well, see, but that goes to my other yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, Is we were talking about this earlier about tweeting while angry. Yeah. And it's like, what was... Do you know anything about that, Johnny? Mm. Tweeting while angry? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> what, what was... Now, now, putting that shot up, putting that picture up, I'm like, that's great. Yeah. But then the what, missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. And also, in the title, he puts what could have been instead of the rise of Skywalker. Also, if you zoom into the right corner, it says... Fuck you, Ryan. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> Fuck you. You gotta look really close, RJ. <laughs> it's in Carillion, though. <laughs> Nerd jokes. Geek buddies. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, what was, what was your what was your intention here? What was what yeah? Was, what was to talk about something later? And what was your end game? <laughs> why why are you deliberately stoking the fires? That is something for me as a person I've right. never quite understood. Do you think though? I mean, and I, I do wonder this sometimes. Like, sometimes, no matter how famous you are, you don't know the power of your own tweet. Like, he saw this picture, he know. liked it, can he wrote be, it, he said, missed think, opportunities, and I, then it was like, oh, shit. Can you I be, you could have said that a couple years ago. Right. Can you now be, he knows. Can you be ignorant of the Star Wars fandom? I don't think you, you can't you can be ignorant of the right, Star fair. Wars Okay, you know what? I, that's, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I mean, I, I think he knows what he was doing. He was, I think, look, he's an actor. What do actors like? Attention. What do actors like? The spotlight. But anyways, talk more about me. <laughs> <laughs> but you see something like this, and this is what unnerves me. I'm like, well, 
yeah, you maybe he was happy, maybe he had a great life. But once you taste the fame again, the real fame again, not the voiceover fame. The voiceover fame is great, but the real fame, the mainstream fame. The Harrison Ford fame. The Harrison Ford fame. You come even close to that, where you're all of a sudden on late night shows. You couldn't get, you couldn't get them to bring you on for 20 years. All of a sudden, you're on late night shows. There's a whole nother, um I don't know. There's a whole other thing that takes over. Maybe a gear that gets a switch that gets clicked and a gear that gets activated, and you're like, "Oh, I, you know, I, oh, I should do this. I should do this." And he's buoyed, b o u y e d, buoyed by the fandom, going, "Yeah, you're right. Luke should have been this way." How, how do you spell buoyed? B u o y e d. Is that right? Yeah, okay, that sounds right. Or b o u. I don't know. I think it was more the pronunciation than the spelling <laughs> that really <laughs> kind of gummed up the works. Whenever the I try to sound intelligent, I always have my two friends to shoot me down. Hey, he was lifted up. Lifted up. <laughs> <laughs> they dirty dancing him. Uh, what I'm so I'm it just to me it's just it concerns me because I'm like you know I don't obviously he he narrates the trailer so I wonder what part of that is the movie. Well, part is he in the movie, and it just feels like you're, you're purpose not purposely, but you're being a bit uh, unaware or ignorant of what your tweet can cause. And look what happened, right? You know, so the walking back of it, I think, is just dangerous. I, I think it's it's, and I hope because everyone wants to love Star Wars again. Everyone wants to be part of the fandom again. People hated the anger of Jedi of Last Jedi, and people felt indignant that they were right to feel angry about it because people take possession of Star Wars, and, and rightfully so, I think at times. But like now with Hamill doing this, it's like you're almost like asking for the to have the the fight. You're like, right. oh, I want to keep the fight going, and I think that's where the responsibility lies. He should know better, right? And say social media was back during the prequels. Oh, does. Do, do the prequels still stoke that kind of? Oh. Would they have? Would they have stoked that type of anger? Right. Yes. Right. Right. Yes, I think in, so. In, in the world of social media, oh. everything stokes anger. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> All right, Mikey, what do you want to talk about? So I, I'm going to stick with uh, the Lucasfilm wagon, but Ooh. in a different in a different uh, avenue. I got very excited. Uh, <laughs> In the nerdiest way possible, um, <laughs> when I read that Ron Howard was uh, talking and mentioned that there's a possibility—I mean, that nothing is confirmed here—but a possibility that there has been discussions that there could maybe be a Willow TV series developed for Disney Plus. So, and for you kids, Willow is a film from the so '80s. For you kids, <laughs> with Val Kilmer, a young Warwick Davis, and a beautiful Joanne Whaley, who ended up becoming Val Kilmer's wife for a while. Well, and I think what's crazy is, uh, what, what really got me excited, aside from, I'm a fan of Willow, I grew up loving Willow, I've watched it recently, it doesn't necessarily hold up as well as some other 80s movies that I love, but I still love it, every time I hear the yeah. music I get goosebumps, but it's funny because it's like, it's like Disney's purchase of Lucasfilm is the gift that keeps on giving in ways that you forgot. It's like you woke up Christmas morning and you ran out to the Christmas tree and there was this giant present and it's the Star Wars franchise. And you're like, Disney bought Lucasfilm, we get Star Wars. And like five minutes later, there's another present to the side that you kind of miss and you're like, and Indiana Jones. And then like behind the tree under a blanket and the dog had sort of like sat on it (laughs) is Willow and it's wrapped up and you just totally forgot. So like when I read it, like, and Howard like, the Duck was the gift that your parents returned. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But like, it's like, 
when I first read it and I said, why would Willow be on Disney Plus? That doesn't even make. Oh, yeah. Right. right. Uh, and the other thing that was really exciting is Warwick Davis, who mm-hmm. played Wicket in Return of the Jedi and yeah. various smaller creatures in the more recent Star Wars films. Um he uh Ron Howard said that if there is this series that he would reprise the role of Willow. Mm-hmm. So that means that this isn't like a reboot or anything but it would almost be like a continuation so we would see Willow as an older wizard and find wow. out what happened in this universe and Alora Dannon is grown up and she's now the queen or whatever it is like yeah. like all, like literally the geek mind of Willowness like started taking over as soon as I read this article so I was very excited and which that also just, looks like Mark Twain. Yeah exactly. <laughs> uh which also just led to me just generally being super excited about Disney Plus for the 18,000th time for all the awesome stuff that they're doing. Yeah, how much money do they have, man? Because, like, these Marvel shows, they're bringing A-list talent to be part of these Marvel shows, TV shows. Yeah. And so you throw in something like Willow. Now, obviously, we're not doing A-list with Warwick Davis or Val Kilmer or Joanne Wally. Joanne Wally's still working. She's still working. Val is dealing with his neck cancer or throat cancer. So, like, he's it's... Unco- it's at times uncomfortable to watch him on social media to see the videos he posts because he's really struggling with it and you wonder what part he's going to play in Top Gun t- uh, the Maverick the sequel yeah. so you bring him into this like what's the what's the appeal of Willow is there enough of a fan base because look the Blade Runner fan base convinced a studio to do a sequel 40 years later or 30 years whatever it was years later and you're like oh is there is there a fandom for Willow I mean I don't know if there is I mean there, there's me there's me, but I will. But I will also tell you that like it's one of those things also that like. Oh, there's more than you. The, the I'm minute, sure. The minute but... that I get excited, I also get scared. Right. I'm like, oh, this this could go and this could go anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This could go anyway, and it could be amazing, or it could be like, oof, oof. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, which is what some people felt about Blade Runner 2049. I mean, like, and it, it, two it hours not, and 45 minutes. And it didn't Oof. really do well. It did not do well at all. That's why I bring it up. Although I loved the film. I love it. Uh, yeah, and I own it in 4K to watch it on this the uh, uh, OLED. I didn't like it. This is, you didn't like it. This is a plug for your awesome TV. Is that what you <laughs> give me? Tell a, everybody how awesome your TV is. LG, give me the 77 incher on the house, please. <laughs> the, you know how much that is? That thing is seven grand. A 77 incher. That's mind blowing. Anyway, um, so if this goes Disney Plus, I think it's easier to do. Is another production cost probably be low? I can't imagine it would be high. Do you bring Lucas back into this project? I mean, I think probably in name alone because he was a producer, on right? It, wasn't he? I mean, well, he wrote it, he directed it, didn't he? No, that was Ron Howard directed. Oh shit! Yeah. I always forget that Ron Howard directed because it feels like a George Lucas movie. I think it was story story by George Lucas. Okay, okay. I, I remember on the posters, like from from the well, because line basically, of and I realized this when yeah. I got older. I was watching Willow one day, and I was like, Willow is Luke Skywalker. Mad Mardigan's Han Solo, Sorsha's Princess Leia, mm. General Kale with the skull mask is Darth Vader, and the brownies are C-3PO. Oh, this is Star Wars, <laughs> but it's a fantasy movie. <laughs> oh, I get it. That moment, okay. like, and Bath Morda's the Emperor. Like, I get it. It's all, it literally, you watch it, you're like, this all lines up. <laughs> it is literally Star Wars with different music. <laughs> the brownies still make me laugh. <laughs> Those two little guys, I still think are really funny. Funny. Half the people listening to this podcast right now are like, what the fuck is Willow? <laughs> Just Google it. Just like that. Just like that. Has a beautiful score by James Horner. Yes. Beautiful score. I wish I wish I was in with scores more. I'm I, I you know, that's a that's a wheel on the Schmodown, scores and soundtracks. And I 
dread every time if when I see it on there that I'm going to spin it because I don't know scores beyond maybe. Well, perhaps Shannon and I will introduce you. Yeah. And our listeners to score horse. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, because we are so nerdy <clears throat> yeah. that we have a group of friends that gets together once a month, and we call ourselves score whores, Yeah. And we have a nice charcuterie and pour some wine, <laughs> and we listen to scores. Light some candles. We light some candles. <laughs> have the bubble bath ready to go. Uh, in fact, in fact, we have a score whores concert tomorrow evening oh. with the theme scores that remind us of goodbye. goodbye. Oh. So maybe you we'll talk are, about that next week. You guys are doing a evening, you mean, at someone's house. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we go to someone's house. Yeah. There are five of us. Yeah. We pick a theme. Everybody okay. picks 18 minutes of movie score. Wow. Everybody submits it mm-hmm. with many paragraphs describing why they chose those scores and how they fit the theme. Wow. And then we eat the charcuterie. Yes. We drink the wines. Yes. And we listen to the songs. Wow. And do and you try to guess what they're from? That's no. what it started out. It started as. off yeah. as guessing, and we did, and and that was fun. But now what we do is we just submit the scores, and whoever is hosting the evening sort of yeah. MCs the evening, and we sort of have turned it into a concert series. Oh wow! Maybe on our website we'll uh, link to the Spotify list. I think we started like putting the lists up That's on true. Spotify <laughs> so that everyone else could enjoy. The complete geekery that is our lives. There's nothing like taking the first episode of a new show to promote another show. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Score whores coming soon. Next um, week on Top 10 Outlaw and Cinephiles. <laughs> <laughs> well, seeing as how you guys, uh, the last week yes. has all been all in-game, all Game of Thrones, and you yeah. guys took those two stories. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I have, when I was watching Endgame, and you see uh, the Ned Peter reunion, like, yeah. and the high school, like, wait a second. Spoilers, spoilers! If you haven't oh, watched, oh shit! It, if oh, you, yeah. if you, before we get to this, because we're about to talk to Endgame anyway. Yeah, we're about to get into spoilers. So if you haven't seen Endgame yet and you're listening to this, Thank first you. of all, I don't know why you would be listening to this, right? But second of all, turn it off now. Yeah, <laughs> Shannon, continue. It's pretty big we, we got your download already. So go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you see Peter and Ned reunited in high school, mm-hmm. and it's like, wait a minute. Five years have gone by. Yeah. So unless Ned was dusted too, uh, you know, Marvel as like with Homecoming, the the at the beginning when they said you know, eight years after the Battle of New York or, or whatever it was, like the 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 timing seemed a little wonky. The timeline seemed wonky. Mm. Like, oh no, are they not? Are they not going to address this? Like, are, are people just going to show up at Far From Home and they're just going to continue as if you know, like nothing. There had been no right. snapshot. Yeah. Well, the Russos came out and basically said Ned had been dusted too. Yeah. So And everyone you see at the high school with Peter has been dusted. Oh, who was who, well, like everyone you see in the trailer. That you yeah, in the trailer. Like, in the, right. Because right. like when you see the end of Endgame and Ned is there, yeah. it's not like it's not like every other student <laughs> right. there. Mary Jane is not there. The Flash, Flash MJ, isn't there, right? they but, all. but yeah, like we've seen the trailers for Far From Home and you yeah. see that Flash is there, you see that MJ is there. Yeah. So obviously the people that we know and recognize were like based on what you're saying, because like, right. I was yeah, really interested yeah, in this yeah. too. Uh, based on what you're saying, they were all snapped. Yeah. Uh, but that they're actually going to deal with the fact that they are going to school and that half of the people they went to school with are five years older. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I hope that they actually deal with it and it's not just like a throwaway line right. that they throw in there. Like, I hope this is actually something because I think it is interesting. And I think and I, and I think in the same article they said that for Peter as well, like part of Far From Home is going to deal with what he's dealing with post right. Endgame. Yeah. yeah. The a lot loss of, of his, a lot of shit happened his, to him. The loss of his mentor. Yeah. 
Uh, Going to space. Yeah. And fighting fun. aliens. And we get to find out what the snapshot was like for people that are not necessarily uh, superheroes. Yeah, dude, this is mind-blowing. And we're going to talk about it on the Avengers Endgame review. Listen, this this is a strong stout. This is a strong stout. This is what I'll tell you. I knew drinking for our inaugural episode was a bad idea. Not for me, but for both of you, clearly. Um, no, but this idea is like, how is this? Is this? It feels like, it feels like they've really turned the comic books into movies. I mean, the movies into comic books, mm-hmm. right? This idea that you have to watch all these other movies to watch the main movie. Yes, the main is brilliant. My like, sister texted me today and said, yeah. "Hey, I need, I guess I need to watch the Marvel movies so I can watch the Last Avengers movie." And I said, "Okay, well, how much have you seen?" Right. She goes, "Well, I saw Iron Man." Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and I said, "Okay, you got." I'm trying to think of a list yeah. that you could go through and watch, and I'm going to try to look for like a recap video on YouTube. Yeah. That could catch you up. Yeah, that's what, and you can go to that. I, I recorded one for Collider before Avengers Infinity War. You could send her there. That mm. breaks down all the MCU movies up to that point. Nice. How long didn't, was it? Do you know how long it was? T- 10 to 12 minutes. Okay, that's yeah, easy. Yeah, it's perfect. But um, yeah, this idea. So now with this idea of the five year jump, there's so much to explore here with Peter and with Ned, with MJ, whatever. Like, what did the five-year jump cause? And I brought this up when we did our video about, like, what's the MCU? What's the future of the MCU? And I said, the five-year jump is going to allow them to do a million things. And so, like the comics, this event happened. Okay, how does this event um, reverberate through the different titles, right? right? But I'll give them credit because, and this gets into us talking about Endgame, which we're transitioning into anyway. Yeah. They made it harder on themselves in a really cool and interesting way. Right. Because the easier thing would have been to just snap everything back so that everything went back to normal and everybody came back at the same place. But they very purposely, I mean, it was intentional because, again, we're getting into spoiler territory. Yeah. But again, because Tony had a daughter yeah. and was not going to give her up and also made, which which leads to the point that other people had been going on with their lives for five years and had had loves and hopes and dreams and yeah. kids that they didn't want to give up. They did the thing where you now have a universe where half the universe is five years ahead of the rest of the universe. Right. And the fact that you go ahead and like barrel forward with that and commit, hopefully we will see based on what you're saying in uh, far from home, commit to dealing with that. Yeah. That's way more challenging, but if you pull it off, it's way more satisfying, which I think sums up the Marvel Universe for me in a whole. Mm-hmm. Way more challenging, but way more satisfying. <laughs> well, the great – what do they say the great uh, – when you see great writing in TV shows or movies, it's when they write themselves into a corner, they got to write their way out. And mm-hmm. that's I think, fun. And I think that's something that Brian – the one – I don't know that he's the one who said this or maybe yeah. he was just quoting it. But that's always something that I attribute to Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, yeah. In the comics because that's something that he said – I remember in an interview early on between mm-hmm. Powers and Daredevil and everything else. He said that's what he does is he writes yeah. himself into an impossible corner like Daredevil gets outed yeah. as being Daredevil. Matt Murdock is Daredevil and right. then figures out a way out. And that was the best thing about his comics. So, yeah, 100%. Can I tell you the dumb, the dumbest thing that happened this week is that we had Brian Michael Bendis come to Heroes to get interviewed by the Heroes crew, and I forgot to bring in my Avenger, my uh, Daredevil run for him to sign, and he signed everything. He was fantastic. Not what you think, Brian Michael Bendis. I I, I visualized something like Todd McFarlane. Brian Michael Bendis no. looks nothing like Todd McFarlane <laughs> in my mind. If you have three names, you're statuesque in my mind. 
Wait a minute. Is Wait that, a minute. Wait. You literally have three names. <laughs> You're I John Steven my Roca. Case. I rest my case. Wow. This is okay. We haven't even gotten to Endgame yet. This Statuesque. is where we're at. Statuesque. <laughs> no, but I think. But, but to be serious, though, I think the the five year jump is also, and I said this is, is going to spark. More villains because they're gonna be like, wait, like you didn't stop them. I lost my husband or my wife or my family. Michael Keaton style villains. Yeah, Michael Keaton vulture, style, vulture right? style villains. Exactly. People are gonna come. Husbands and wives and children are going to come back now, and people have moved on. Right. You know, not everyone is Joe or Anthony Russo sitting there in a group saying, "Oh, I just had one gay date." Like, there's people who've <laughs> whoa, lost. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not there's anything wrong with that. But I'm just saying, like, you know, other people have probably took the excuse like, "Oh, I wanted to get out of this marriage anyway." Great. He's gone or she's gone. Now I'm moving on. That's the darker Netflix series that I want to see. <laughs> I was going to say, can you see this darker Netflix series? That's they the call Disney it, Plus. Call it, call it five years. And it's literally about all these awful things that happen <laughs> when like relationships and families got shattered thanks to Thanos. It's no, a no. companion series to What If. It's called But Now. <laughs> no, it, no, no, no. It's called, it's called Shit Your Back. <laughs> That's what it's called. That's what it's called. <laughs> anyway, wow. all right. Let's, let's move on and let's transition uh, very seamlessly into an Avengers Endgame review. This is going to be a spoiler-filled review. Look, at this point, if you haven't turned it off, you've seen the movie. And look, once a mo- I believe this thoroughly. Once a movie crosses a billion dollars, spoiler time is done. Like, you can spoil the fuck out of a movie. So, like, by Sunday night, yeah, we're okay basically, spoil Avengers? Yeah, who are the 20 people who haven't seen it by now? So, it, to me, that's... I will give props to the universe, though. Yeah? I will tell you this. Marvel fans are way better oh, at yeah. not spoiling than Game of Thrones fans. Oh my god! Like Endgame came out, and there was just every, like like my Twitter feed, like yeah. for the most part, was like just silent or just like guys go see it. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Game of Thrones happened, and two hours later, just Twitter was like, <laughs> yeah, boo, dark, Arya. Yeah, but including HBO, HBO tweeted a picture of Arya being held by the Night King by the neck. So it's like, wait, what is the, why are you tweeting a picture that night? So anyways, yeah. we're well past a billion dollars now, so we are free to talk yeah. about Endgame. Absolutely. So, so let's, let's break this down. Uh, let's look at the direction of the film first. I mean, this is, every time the Russo brothers take on an Avengers film, you, they, we talk about writing into a corner about a few seconds ago, but like, we're going to add even more characters. We're going to take it even more into more places. And Infinity War did that. What was so great about Endgame for me is it was a character study, man. It was an independent movie masked as the mainstream movie, and I was blown away by that. I think one other thing, I read an article that came out like two days after Endgame came out, and it said something like, the Marvel movies are the best TV shows that have ever been aired in theaters. <laughs> uh, just talking about how like Marvel movies have the epic spectacle and scale of giant tentpole movies. But they, because yeah. of the connection, they're treated like a TV show. Like we have these yeah. characters that intersect and grow and change over time. And so it's the best of both worlds. And I think the Russo brothers are indicative of that given their history in TV and then going to features. I also think that they're the best Marvel directors that there are. There's been amazing yeah. Marvel like James Gunn, Coogler, Taika Waititi, Joss Whedon did a really great job until they just burned him the fuck out. But like <laughs> uh, the Russo brothers have just like, I remember when we all, Together, we were all there together. We all yeah. went to see Winter Soldier the night it came out, and you're, you were just blown away by 
the action sequences and the directing. And I've always been really excited about the Russo brothers because they're always so good with action and they always level up. So from Winter Soldier to Civil War to Infinity War to Endgame, the action gets bigger. But to your point, the thing that really just floored me from a directing standpoint about Endgame was the fact that you had this super slow first hour that was sad and reflective and hopeless. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they chose to kill Thanos in the first 15 minutes and go, there's no Thanos, there's no stones, like, you can do nothing. Right. And then go five years later. So you had this sense, because, like, look, and everybody says this about Infinity War, and it's not untrue, is that as much as we all were like, holy shit, when everybody dusted away, we know Far From Home is coming. We know right. there's a Black Panther too. Like, there's not the those, TV shows. There's not real stakes to the fact that a lot of these people disappear because we know they're coming back. Right. But by having an hour with these characters where they had to live with it, with opening the movie with Hawkeye, who everybody was like, oh, fucking Hawkeye, where's Hawkeye? Opening the movie with his family disappearing and then dealing with this thing where Cap is doing a support group and Black yeah. Widow is barely holding on because like they lost and they lost hard. As much as the Russo brothers uh, astound me with their ability to direct massive action sequences that are clear and awesome and yeah. amazing and easily understood, uh, the fact that they spent an hour in this really slow area was amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and thinking about that, yes, we knew at the end of Infinity where everyone that went, went up in dust, we knew they were coming back. But the thing that really strengthened that was the performances. Like when you watch... Mm. Tom Holland fighting to not be dusted. Yeah. It's just like, oh my God, this is killing me. And the first thing Tony says to Cap when he gets off the ship, I lost, I lost the, the kid. kid. I lost the kid. Oh my God. I'm not afraid to tell you that I cried many times oh, yeah. in this movie. And when he said that, just tear. Yeah. Yeah. And what you were saying about the yeah. Russo, uh, Russo Brothers history with television, like who could have guessed that the guys who directed Arrested Development, Direct Community, would have been this good at action? But then you look at how they give everyone their spotlight. And it's like, oh, because they directed Community and Arrested yeah, Development. Yeah. Like they were dealing with ensembles pretty much their entire career. That's yeah. a great point. Uh, but also the sequence, like in when they go to, was it Vormir, the planet where you do the Soul Stone? Vormir. Yeah. Just the knowledge to use. The longer shots, the faraway shots, the movement of the camera in those in that situation, they take you from the moment where they are walking up the mountain and she's complaining that Rocket didn't have to climb up a mountain, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like Red Skull comes down and they have their interaction to where they're both standing on the precipice of the mountain and the camera's far away. Like, to conceive of the, of the scope of your movie when you've been doing TV shows is phenomenal. It's incredible. I also think that the Russo brothers are the best at nailing this Marvel tone. Yes. And this Marvel tone is, it's kind of what you were just saying, because you're like, the fact that we live in a world where you can so casually say, you know, the way they use these shots where they're walking up the mountain and then she's talking about how the raccoon didn't have to walk up the mountain. <laughs> and like, none of us bat an eyelid. Like, it's like, oh, that's normal. It's, it's yeah. rocket. We get it. But it's a fucking raccoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, 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 Marvel works the best when you take like intense 
stakes and pathos and drama and emotion yeah. and literally slam it right next to like funny, weird silliness. Right. Whether that is Fat Thor, yeah. Smart Hulk, a talking raccoon. Right. Like they, that you just have these moments that are super funny. Um, you know what I mean? Like I honestly, and I, I had forgotten about this. We, we went, I saw it a second time uh, the, the night. I saw it Thursday night and then I went to go see it back Friday because I just couldn't stop thinking about how, it. How many times have you seen it? I've now? seen it twice so far. Me too, twice. Okay, three. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's sneak off to the very next. beginning scene. You, oh, I, I knew that you opened with you know you remember the Hawkeye scene. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, the scene is kids of spear. But the very next scene is fucking uh, Tony and Nebula. Ne- Tony and Nebula <laughs> playing like little uh, little football, little paper football that you all play that we played in middle school. It, and it makes sense because Tony's of that age where that was what he did when he was a kid, and it's adorable yeah. and it's cute and it makes you smile. And that's the best thing that the Russo brothers do is they. Yeah. They seamlessly jump from like sweet slash funny moments to yeah. big, serious, epic, make you cry your face off moments. And it doesn't seem weird remotely. Yeah. I think also the gift to the, I think the actors are better in the Russo Brothers films than they are in the other films. The Russos know. The Russos know how to work with actors. Yeah. They know how to get the best out of actors in their films. And they hit the com, they hit, like you said, they hit all the comedy beats right with the seriousness. And community is a great example because community was what like underground community or the subtlety of community is this very serious like um, sadness within the the group of people because oh they're all damaged yeah they're all damaged and they're all going to a community college to try to find some direction in their lives and their communication with each other is damn like here's a family and this is why I sacrifice or do the crazy shit I do in this group because. Yeah. I don't want to lose this family. I and, didn't know I could and fight. And right next to that, you go, now we're going to do a pillow fort episode yes. and a paintball episode. And a paintball episode. And it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Well, it's the same thing with the Avengers, right? They're all fucking damaged in their own separate ways. And then when they all come together, that's this family they want to fight for. What does Black Widow sacrifice herself for? It's for the family, you know, to bring them. And that's what uh, Marcus and McFeely said in their interview. I think it was with THR. They said, like, yeah. we, we went back and forth about the death, about who was going to be Hawkeye or was going to be Black Widow. And they, their original, I think their original script had Hawkeye dying and saying, like, to Black Widow, tell my wife, blah, 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 mm-hmm. um, and all that. But they switched it around in the movie. And I, I think that's one of the most controversial deaths. I've seen a number of female pundits and female friends of mine say that they're still coming to terms with that decision, that she well, died for the, all the men in the group and that all the men weep for her. But, like... Why did she have to die for the men? And it's and an interesting that. conversation. And I, and I do get that, and I will, and I, I will probably say this every week when we discuss. Yeah. Because I'm not going to sit here and tell any woman that they are wrong about their opinion. Of course not. You're about right. a female role on television. So, like, no. I or I film. Come, I come from a male perspective. I have a different idea on it. I I do understand their point though that for her, uh, that was her thing. Yeah, she, the family bringing her them back. arc. When you look at her from. Uh, not Iron Man 2, but yeah, like Avengers move. at least. Yeah. Avengers all the way through to now, her arc was really like like becoming this person because of the people she was around and wanting to give that back. I get that. I also get why women are upset about it. Yeah, so true. Yeah, yeah. It, shocking that they would take out their most prominent female yeah. character. Like really, really surprising. And wh- what does that mean for her? Movie going forward, mm. like that's do, my big question. Do we need a prequel for a character? That's yeah, my big dead. question. Shannon and I were just speaking about this earlier. Yeah. Is oh, without me, good. I appreciate that. 
Go it ahead. was on the way here to oh, okay, see okay, you. Oh, okay, okay, good, okay. Um, You've done this before. We're very new. <laughs> but no, <laughs> we were... You've been on my shows. <laughs> yeah. We were discussing it because, you know, and uh, some of our friends have pointed this out, like, part of the issues with introducing time travel and multiple timelines mm. and, you know, offshoots and everything else is it makes every death sort of not 100% final because technically yeah. you can bring anybody back. Right. And I really do wonder, like, with all the plans that Marvel has... If they're going forward with this Black Widow movie, which is assumed to be a prequel, it's supposed to be a prequel, a prequel in the fifties, yeah. Uh, which I don't know that. Which like it's great. Fifties, it's great. It's great to have a prequel movie about Black Widow. She's an yeah. awesome, interesting character. But why do a prequel for a character that is unequivocally dead, based on what they said about the Soul Stone? But as I was saying to Shannon, like in the world of comic books, unequivocally dead means you're dead for a few years. Yeah. And whether that means that we get to the end of this Black Widow prequel and in the post credit sequence or before the credits roll, we find out that somehow she's back or something like it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah. If that is a thing that they do. Yeah, it, it, I'm concerned about it because my, my belief is that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is and this is a good question to have or a good discussion to have. I believe that they're going to try to find the Gamora in the Soul Stone. And the Black Widow in the Soul yeah, Stone. Yeah, you said this when the movie got done, when we watched it on Thursday yeah. night, and I disagreed with you then, and I disagree with you now. Let's talk about it! But why... I mean, Hawkeye... Is she? Is Gamora dusted? The old... The, I don't the Gamora so. that showed up. I don't think so. I think, she, I think she was... That was sensory overload, and she needed a minute. And she just took off. I think she took off, yeah. I don't think she got dusted at all. And Nebula is, let her take off. Yeah. This is comic book soap opera 101. Okay. Like, what's interesting about what they did is... First of all, you and I discussed this after the movie. This I think is, I yelled at you. Sure. Um, and threw popcorn. But uh, It was a scene. It was a scene. <laughs> but uh, just going by what they say in the movie, yeah. unless they're trying to trick us, they make it very clear that of all the deaths that happen, soul stone deaths are done. You, Supposedly fine. Like, like, like Hawkeye said you can't do it. Yeah. Uh, Hulk said he tried to bring her back and he couldn't. Right. So Soulstone's deaths are final, which means Gamora's death in Infinity War was final. Okay. The Gamora from the 2014 from 2014 who came forward in time is unaccounted for. Okay. And so like what I think that they're doing, which seems what the, what the case is is that what their Guardians 3 is going to be about either finding Gamora yeah. from the past or and bringing her onto the team or she they find her at the beginning and that's what it is. But what's great about that and this is the comic book 101 part is this yeah. is just good soap opera. Uh Peter Quill and Gamora got to a point where their relationship was kind of done. Like they got to Infinity War, they trusted each other, they yeah. loved each other, they expressed their love for each other. He, she was like, "Kill me." He said, "Okay." He tried. Thanos didn't let him. But their relationship was that was that their relationship had reached a point where like that is a solid relationship. Right now, it's not. This Gamora has never met Peter. She doesn't really like Peter. That was pretty clear in the battle at the end of Endgame. Yeah. So she's running off dealing with, I'm now in this future. I don't know where I belong. Right. The Guardians are going to pick her up. And whereas Gamora before was sort of the moral center of the team, she now no longer is. So now the entire dynamics of the team are upset, which makes Guardians 3 much more interesting than seeing a team that has been together for two movies and knows how each other works. So now the whole thing is upset. And, that's gonna, and especially if fucking... Fat Thor, hopefully he does some crunches before Guardians 3, but uh, if he's in there too. But if he the, doesn't do crunches, it's that's, fine. It's fine if he's fat. It's fine if he doesn't It's do okay. Crunches. It's fine if he's... It's okay he's got a few pounds on him. He's an older man now. 
I mean, listen. Look, Travolta looked right. hot. Int- intensely gay. We got it. I yeah. love Thor. <laughs> I love Thor no matter how he looks. Uh, uh. <laughs> more some ways than others. Let's talk about that because that was a little bit of a He's got, listen, um, Captain America has America's ass, but Thor yeah. has Asgard's abs. <laughs> the abs universe's abs. Asgard's Asgard's. <laughs> Uh, no, but this was a thing that came up that a lot of some people were offended by the fat jokes at Thor's expense. And as a, and I said this on our Collider Heroes review, I said, as a man who struggled with his weight his entire life since he was like 12 years old, I didn't find the fat jokes offensive. Name me one fat joke in that movie. When Rhodey says he's filled with cheese whiz. That yeah, is a legit fat joke. That's a fat joke. When his, when his mom says, maybe eat a salad, that's a fat joke. It's a fat joke. All right, those are both fat jokes. Love you. <laughs> yeah. they, and they give Don Cheadle so few good lines. They really like, do. Give him one. With that being said, Cheadle <laughs> did get some good good loving in this film. Like, he got good scene time and whatever. And I thought of him and Nebula, I thought that was going to happen. Did you guys sense that was going to happen? Like, a, maybe a ship? No, but here? I'm a comic book nerd, so I didn't see any Nebula him happening. Although, I did love the line he said about being... We do the best with what we have. Oh, we do the best with what they have. Yeah, I thought that, that was, was a beautiful great line. line. I thought that was a great bonding moment between them. But for me, it was the ran- the, the random moment where uh, they were all talking on the holograms at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Black Widow. And Carol turned to him and said, be careful or I'll yeah. talk Good to you luck. soon. Because, because in the comics, those two get together. Really? really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. War Machine and, yeah. and Carol Danvers? So in the comics, those oh, two get together. That's a whole thing. Shit. So the fact that she sort of turned to him and said specifically oh. to him, like, be careful or look out or whatever she says, I was like, oh, oh are we going to get some of that in the future? Oh. Hey. Get some interracial <laughs> relationships. Relations. I like it. I like it. War Machine and Captain Rats kick out. But, but, but the age difference is, you know... It's going to be an issue. Well, I think Carol's actually older than him. Though. <laughs> Technically, Carol's... Well, check... Oh, I see what you're saying. Good point. Good point. Um, all right. So, well, let's talk about the acting in the film. Shannon, did you... like? There, uh, we were talking about this on one of the shows, I think, and I, I mentioned that I think Karen Gillan... If anyone's going to come out of this with an Oscar nomination, I kind of think Karen Gillan should get the Supporting Actress nomination because I think she's fantastic. I mean, we know the Academy, so first of all, nobody's getting an acting nomination. Yeah, do you think this will get a Best Picture nomination? No. I don't know. I don't. Really? I wish it would. You don't I think wish it's it would. Got, you don't think it's got Return of the King credibility? No. Wow. I think I think they gave Black Panther a nomination last year, and they were like, that's our superhero nomination for the decade. Like, Really? Even with the changes in the voting body, making it more minority, more younger, you don't think it's going to affect this? Well, listen, I don't think so, but maybe I'm being cynical. I would love it if it did. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I don't think it would either. I think if there's any superhero movie that has a chance of getting the Best Picture nomination outside would be Joker, depending oh, on how that turns out. Yeah, that fair. More than Dark Knight, Logan type vibe that's gonna be fun to talk to you guys once another trailer drops or once another more news items drops about that movie because it looks fantastic coming soon to the geek buddies coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> the joker um i thought karen gillen was great i think nebula especially in the first guardians movie kind of paper thin yeah um, yeah agreed like she became more interesting in uh volume two more interesting in infinity war i mean again the, the character that always sticks out for me since Ragnarok is Thor. I yeah. Mean, the oh, fact yeah. That he is Hemsworth leaning is so into the good. comedy. Yes. Um, but he also had some heartbreaking moments. Well, I think that's the gift that Hemsworth has. He has the ability to play the stupidity of a moment, but not lose the genuine vulnerability of the character. Yeah. Like when he's crying in front of, uh, in front of Raccoon, 
And then later when he has a conversation rocket? with his mom, or rocket, sorry, when he's having the conversation with his mom later, you're just like, oh, oh man, that's I can't, real I can't shit. with that scene with Rene Russo. That was uh, amazing. Yeah. Loved that they brought her back. I, but I also think, I will say this, and this kind of just talks to the cast across the board, and it's a credit to the Russos, it's yeah. a credit to this cast, but also it's that thing that I was saying about this is the longest running, most epic TV show of all time. <laughs> because what these actors have gotten to do and yeah. what the Russo brothers have gotten to do with them over the course of the movies that they've done is these char- these guys have gotten to live in these characters in a mm. way that most actors and features don't get to. Yeah. Completely you, you get cast in a feature, you're on set for however many weeks, a few months, whatever it is, uh, and then you're done. Yeah. These guys have grown with these characters over 22 films total. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so by the time you got to Endgame, the they knew who they were playing in a way like they were they were putting on an old suit and it was amazing to watch and i think yeah. that's part of it is to watch this movie on this epic scale with actors that sort of were like this is who i am that was that was beautiful to watch well i think that's why it's difficult to pick a best actor out of this whole thing because like people are like rdj i'm like hey, rdj um, but chris evans was fantastic chris Hemsworth evans ass is clearly the best actor <laughs> in this movie <laughs> let's just get real that was some great old age makeup that was some great old age makeup and cg yeah they talked about well, that in that interview and he had the uh, uh like an optimistic Clint Eastwood voice. Yeah. He's kind of talking like this. Which you was all Evans. Are you going to tell well, about... Are you serious? Yeah, yeah it was they, all Evans. They said that in the interview. So yeah. they were talking about that, that they did old age makeup on him and they did CG because there's what are they, there's certain things you can't do with makeup. Like they were like, Chris <laughs> Evans is always going to have that yoked neck. Yeah. So they did the old age makeup. They did a bunch of CG, but they were like, the voice was him. That was wow. his thing. Wow. Wow, wow, well, let's wow. talk about those two moments. Uh, the death of Tony Stark. Was this a surprise to both? Like, I had already seen it two days before, so I got to sit back and listen to y'all react to it. Were you shocked by the death of Tony? Yes. I was because I had it completely backwards. I think I said this oh. to you guys a bunch of times after Infinity War and in the subsequent year that we would discuss this uh-huh. a lot. Uh, I was convinced that Cap was going to die yeah, and that Tony was going to retire okay. so that they could sort of keep... Robert Downey Jr. on the bench. I have the same. I thought yeah. that they are going to keep uh, Tony Stark as the you know ace in their back pocket. Yeah. And when the MCU needs a shot in the arm, that they're going to give Robert Downey Jr. all the money to come back for a scene. He made seventy-five million off of Avengers. Holy yeah. They just, the reports came out yesterday. Seventy-five. Well, the reports came out because he made a deal with Marvel. Right. He got he he. It was less about getting certain number of certain certain. Um, paycheck per film yeah and he got back end which when you're in a movie like avengers is pretty smart was that after iron man yeah uh, the deal he worked out with iron man was that if if tony stark tony stark appears in any marvel movie and i think this is right he gets 50 million automatically oh my no matter what it makes if tony stark appears in the film he makes 50 million wow so his salary for the film was probably 25 but he made 75 because that 50 thrown in there. Wow. And that's why Marvel hates him because he worked out that deal and there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> but uh, everyone else is like, fuck you. You take what we give you. But I'll say I was shocked that they, <laughs> I was shocked that it's they, an ensemble killed, piece. they yes. killed Tony and Cap retired. He got his happy ending. I mean, they, were, they really did the opposite. Oh, yeah. But I really liked the writer's interview that you were talking about. Yeah, Marcus uh, McFeely, yeah. They, that they were saying that... Uh, Tony's arc was to be selfless. Mm-hmm. And that tracks all the way back to Avengers. Yep. You're not the guy to make the sacrifice. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So yep. Tony's arc... It tracks arc, all the way back to Iron Man. Yeah. 
So Tony's arc was to ultimately be the most selfless, which yeah. is what he does in, in Endgame. And that Cap's arc, not in a bad way, but that Cap is always the guy that's going to do what's best for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that for him, his arc was ultimately to become, in a good way, selfish. Yeah, right. And that's what he did. Yeah. And I thought that that was such an interesting way of treating the two, your two heavy hitters there mm-hmm. that like, that's two really beautiful, beautiful arcs that they both sort of started on opposite ends. Like you think about that first scene in the Avengers movie where they were just going at each other and Cap was just like, mm. you're selfish. And he's like, you're like the Boy Scout and fuck you. And that they both sort of went to the opposite ends, but in such beautiful ways. It's just such a good ending for this era of Marvel. Well, and I think that was great, too, in that scene near the movie, you know, the beginning of the movie when they come off the ship and Tony and Tony and it's like Tony looks like he's a cancer victim in that wheelchair and nobody get offended my father died of cancer so who can't say shit to me, to me about it but him sitting there all skinny and emaciated in the wheelchair with the uh, whatever it is the, the fluids yeah. yeah the IV when he confronts Cap and says like you said we do it together but you weren't around and you know what I said build this whole thing around the world but no no you said no the precious rights of people so like he still very much believes that he was right in the situation. Well, yeah. And the confrontation with Cap is so uncomfortable because essentially he's watching like mom and dad fight. But it's again, essentially this is, watching but this is why Marvel, and this is something we've never seen in features before, yeah. which is why it's such a great thing to live. Like, we're talking about it like it's a TV series. Yeah. And Civil War was season seven, <laughs> and we're now in season 10. <laughs> yeah. But he's talking about the thing from season seven. Like, it's, it's amazing. Like, it's yeah. just crazy. Uh, I don't think we can go through and talk about Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. and review it without discussing time travel. Yeah, please. Uh, so, time travel. Thoughts? <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead, Jim. I, I'm, I, I'm going to throw something out that, that could do this, that, that could be a tangent, which don't, we don't have to address yet. Don't remove the stone. <laughs> I don't want to go into the black timeline. So when they are in 2012 and Loki gets his hands on the Tesseract yes. and disappears, is that the launch pad for the Loki series? Yes. Obviously. Okay. Obviously. Loki's okay. not dead. Right. Well, but here, here's what I do appreciate about Endgame yeah. and Infinity War as well, is that Loki's death at the beginning of Infinity War right. is permanent. That Loki did die. Okay. They didn't snap him back. He didn't come back. He like Thanos really and truly mm-hmm. killed Loki. Yep. Yeah. He and Vision did not come through a portal. Vision did not come back through a portal. Loki's not back. Gamora's right. not back. Like like the deaths in Infinity War, which I was convinced were going to be snapped out of yeah. whatever and be fine. Um were permanent. These other characters from other timelines and other things are going to come back. And yes, the second that Loki took the Tesseract and just disappeared, I was like, well, thank you, Disney+. Plus." <laughs> um, did you like the, the <clears throat> in-game time travel theory versus the Back to the Future? Or- I Cause did. Because that really is. You know what? It's funny that you say that. That's really what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of other time travel movies. They've they listed some of them in Endgame. But in the world of movies now, there are two fighting theories on time travel. It is the back to the future and mm-hmm. it is now end game. Yeah. And it is a, uh, it is a linear timeline theory, which is what back to the future is. And it is a, uh, quantum multi universe theory, which is what end game is. Yeah. That every time we make a decision, uh, anything that happens, like any moment in life, 
can split off into a separate universe and a separate universe and a separate universe and a separate universe. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? They said something really interesting and they referenced Back to the Future, uh, the writers did in this interview. And they were like, look, to do what we wanted to do, we have six Infinity Stones. We would basically, if we followed Back to the Future rules, we would have six Biff 1985s. <laughs> like you can't, like like if we were going to follow Back to the Future rules, we couldn't tell our movie because there's too much movie to tell because every single stone they got right. would result in a giant Biff casino somewhere that we would then have to address and deal with. Right. And so you just, if this is what we're going to do, we can't do it, but this is what we want to do. And I think anyone would agree that the love letter that this movie is to Marvel fans going back to these key moments that we've loved and these key characters that we've missed and getting to see them one more time is such a great payoff that they wanted to do it. And to do that, they said, look, and I think that what, 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 what smart Hulk, what Bruce says is interesting and also scientifically sound. Like when you go into the past, your future is the past and you can't change your past. So that can't be. And the way that, physics deals with that is it peels off into a different timeline that totally works the only thing that didn't work for me in the timeline rules that they laid out everything that happens in the movie kind of tracks Mm -hmm. except at the very very end of the movie when cap disappears yeah doesn't come back five seconds later and then is sitting over on a park bench because sitting over on a park bench means that you were in this timeline which means you at some point went back and like stayed with peggy and grew up and chilled at home while Hydra took over shield and Bucky was being, uh, you know, the winter soldier with the winter soldier for Hydra. But the Russo brothers just came out in the past 24 hours and said that that's not the case. They've basically confirmed that even though he's sitting on that bench in our timeline, he came back at our timeline at one point, but he grew old with Peggy in a separate timeline. Yeah. Is what they've now said. And that the reason that that is, is that there's spoilers or it's leading to other stories down the road. So I'm like, all right, we'll see. But I like it. I I, I like it because it gave me a movie that was amazing and epic in ways that I wasn't expecting. So I will give them their time travel rules. I think that's my frustrating situation on on social media is people are like, oh, this doesn't make sense. Fuckos, I can go through all your favorite films and tell you the ridiculousness of all your favorite films that don't make a goddamn well, lick of sense logistically. But nowadays, like, can't you turn it off just for a second and enjoy well, Cap getting a little bit of I actually mentioned happiness. Getting his think, dance. Huh? Getting his getting dance. His oh, dance. I'm going to cry. Which I called, by the way. I do think, and I said me, this, well, I think we discussed this wait, on our... Wait, wait, you called that? Geek Buddies, give me credit. I called it that he would get his last dance before he died. Did I call I called it. I said okay, he, I'll give that to you. I said he would die and then have a last dance with Peggy in the afterlife. So I was 100% right, but I was there. I was in the ballpark. I do say, I said to somebody, and I think we did talk about this when we all <laughs> were with you on... When we were with you and Steve on Cinephiles, yeah. and we were discussing Back to the Future, things came up. Yeah. I do love that everyone on Twitter is railing against the time travel rules of Endgame yeah. and using Back to the Future as as like the, well, this is how time travel works. And I'm like, you mean the movie where pictures disappear yeah. and reappear? <laughs> That's scientifically sound to you? Where quantum wh- physics, yeah. not so much? Where a white man came up with rock and roll? Give me a fucking break! <laughs> like that's the thing that John. Yeah, goddamn right. I was going with the pictures, but we can talk about that too. <laughs> that matters. 
<laughs> hey, Chuck. I got that sound you've been looking for. It's this middle. It's this white dude from fucking the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> is there anything else? Anything else? Uh... I will say this: the the visual nature at the end of uh, Cap by himself against that entire horde of Thanos' army is a double panel from the comic books, and you're like, I never thought in my entire life. And look, people can make fun of whatever my uh, of like how old I am and. But those comic books are my foundation of Why my... Why is everybody making fun of how well, old you are? Well, they do sometimes. But, but the comic books are my foundation of my life. You tell them to come talk to me. Okay. <laughs> but when I, Well, now they can on Geek Buddies. Uh, follow us at, at Geek underscore Buddies. When you see the whole thing, you're like, this is... I never thought that I would see this... On a screen, man. Yeah. And then that, when the heroes are lining up, you right. see uh, uh, oh. Scott in the background as giant man. Yeah. It's just like, the, the, I will say, how is this happening? Yeah. How is this happening? I will say, and that's all, a gift all, of the movie. All credit to the Russo brothers because they've done this at least three times now. Yeah. When I saw Civil War, I went, I never thought I'd see this on screen. Right. Then I went to go see Infinity War. I was like, well, I never thought I'd see this on screen. And then Endgame <laughs> trumped it all. Yeah. And I will say, to your point about the splash page, because I did think a lot about this. That's uh, what it's called. The industry term is splash page. So yes. In the, for, for anyone who goes and sees these movies <laughs> and doesn't read comics, when you turn a page in a comic book and either one whole page or even better, two whole pages are just right. one giant image, that's a splash page. And if you see that in the theater and yell out splash page, no one is going to get mad at you. So please do that. Right. So... Endgame has that giant moment where, you know, all the good guys are together after they come through the portals. They're all going against Thanos' forces. Or, to your point, the shot of Cap with all of them before the portals. And those are both, like, just right out of a comic book. You turn to page and you're like, fuck. But my favorite splash page in Endgame? Tell me. Tony's funeral. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the other moment. That's an X-Men moment. It's an X-Men moment. There's that moment when a character, comic book characters die all the time. Yep. But when a character dies, dies. You have that moment where you turn the page and you see the funeral where every superhero is kind of standing there, head down, dressed in the suits, paying right. their respects. Right. And like when you were a kid and you turned that page, like that was like, that was real. Yeah. And it was so great to be in a movie theater with grown ass adults. <laughs> yeah. And basically getting the cinematic splash page yeah. where you just panned through and you saw every hero that you've been watching for 22 movies standing there paying their respects to the hero that started it all for us mm-hmm. i got very emotional i cried yeah. i did not cry as hard as some of the other people in our theater which was amazing <laughs> like there's just something like this is i what wasn't I, allowed to cry but this is what I, it wasn't you there was the woman two rows behind us that no. was sobbing and i thought they were gonna have told to come me take I her away cry. Yeah. uh but like i get it i was with her mm. but like this is the thing that i love about these marvel movies is that they have bec- they have transcended just going to see a movie because yeah. we've all seen these movies together because so many of us, you know, our buddies yeah. who have been with us for most of these movies on opening night when we go to see them, we all sat there together and got the payoff of 10 years and 22 movies. Yeah. And when Tony Tony's funeral happened and then like let's talk about this because I think, you know, I think we're running short on time. Yeah. Um but like what what comes next? What are we excited about? What do we think's next for Marvel? Well, I, I like the idea of the underwater earthquake, meaning Submariner. Mm. 
which is immediately what I I thought. When, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, when Okoye said that there's an underwater earthquake, I don't know why you'd bring that up if it isn't to tease Submariner. What else could it be? And you saw the tweet that Scott Derrickson did a couple of no, weeks no. ago, right? He tweeted he tweeted an image. Scott yeah. Derrickson is the director of Doctor yeah. Strange uh, and the di- sequel. He directed an, or he uh, tweeted an image of Doctor Strange underwater, and in the background is Neymar. <laughs> And the tweet was deleted. Oh, I'm telling you, they're gonna work this out. We hear the we heard the uh, story today that, or yesterday that, or yeah, today that Amy Pascal is going over to Universal. Amy Pascal was instrumental in doing the uni- and then doing the uh, Spider-Man being shared by Marvel and Sony. So maybe she will do that with Hulk and Submariner. She understands the implications of the contract with Marvel, so. If you're universal, this is a smart move. So maybe we see Namor and a little more of Hulk because Professor Hulk was incredible in this movie and it would be a goddamn shame if we don't get Professor Hulk with Doc Samson, with these other characters in his world in the movie. Well, Namor makes sense because Namor, I mean, primarily in the world of Marvel is tied yeah. to Fantastic the Four. Fantastic Four. Right. And Marvel now has the Fantastic Four, which I will say that I'm very excited to see where they take Captain Marvel. Yes. Uh, I thought she was way better in this movie than she was in her movie. I thought she was equally good in this movie as she was in her movie. I thought this movie was a better movie around her. Well said. Um, But I do do think the thing that I'm most excited about, even more so than the X-Men or anything else, (laughs) I'm really excited for Marvel to show everybody how to do the Fantastic Four. Agreed. And the X-Men. I am, but I'm more excited about the Fantastic Four. Fair. We've had, listen, X-Men, X-Men has been a tumultuous journey for all of us yes. through Fox. Three but, big whiffs. But we've had some big, but we've had some big wins. Next two? Uh, yeah, we've had some big Next wins. Two, Days of Future Days Past. Days of Future Past. We've never, if you are yeah, not yeah. a, great point. If we've you've never, never been a comic fans. book fan, you think the Fantastic Four suck. Yeah, and don't give me Incredibles. Fuck off with Incredibles. Like, that's a separate thing. That's four people. Yes, they're a family. Yes, blah, 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 blah. Yes, Violet has the exact same powers as Sue Storm. Right, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing, And I, but I do think that... Because there's fun. And also, I do think that now that Tony's dead, I mean, this is another thing that's right. interesting to me is... Bruce Banner's very smart. Yeah. Reed Richards is smarter than Tony Stark. Right. And you need someone who's smarter than Bruce. You just do. Uh, Professor Hulk is great, but in the comics, Professor Hulk eventually realizes he can't be Professor Hulk all the time and has to revert back to the old thing where he's Bruce Banner and the Hulk whenever he gets angry because I, I did a video for Collider today. I wrote a whole video out about Professor Hulk and it's like, that's what Doc Samson, he becomes Professor Hulk to try to merge three identities into one. Uh, but you realize that it's just a cover for him to not deal with the actual issues that are going on for him. Mm. And so that eventually will come out, which is why I, if this Pascal move is to open up the doors to Hulk and to Namor being in the Marvel Universe, this is a positive. There's a lot to explore with Hulk. And Ruffalo has really come into his own with this character now. It's time to give him his own film. And when you get Fantastic Four, you also get Doctor Doom. Yes. And you get Galactus. Galactus, which is has to be and the next. And the Silver Surfer. And, and the Silver, Silver which, Surfer. Which has to be the next big bad is Galactus. It has to. It seems to me that that would make the most sense. Right. Right. Do you um, think we're done with the infin- the stones? Do you think we're done with the stones? For a while? I would I think we're done so. for a while. Okay. I think, I think they've served their purpose for 10 years. Okay. And I think there's bigger things to do. I, I think... What I'm more like, what I'm more excited about, yeah. to be honest, and 
I'm excited about the X-Men to come into the Marvel Universe. I'm sure, excited sure, to sure. see what they do with the Just X-Men. The I'm excited to see how they fold into it. Yeah. What I'm most excited about is I think whether it was in the regular Marvel Universe or they did it really well in the Ultimate Marvel Universe when that happened, Avengers versus X-Men yeah. is amazing. It's like Civil War on steroids. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if in 10 years from now we're all sitting here talking about Avengers versus X-Men the way that we're talking about Infinity War and Endgame right now, I will be a happy 50-something-year-old. And do you think the next Avengers movie, that is probably years. Yes. Years, years away. There was some bullshit uh, image that came out on social media about the next 10 years of Marvel. And it's all these... And I was like, these titles make no sense. There's no... But Avengers X, near the end, I was like, now that's a possibility. You know what I want to see? I thought about this today. I was walking my dog and I randomly thought about this. Mm -hmm. Is Shout out to Bosco. Shout out to Bosco. (laughs) (laughs) We'll post pictures of him on the website. Uh, The thing that I'm most excited... Not not the thing that I'm most excited. This isn't even something I'm excited about because it's so far away I can't even conceive of it. I'm waiting for the day that like... I take my child 25 years from now to go see Young Avengers with Wiccan and Hulkling and a stature. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, which was presented in the movie. Yeah. Cassie Lang is of the age to be stature now. Yeah. Young Avengers is in play, I think. That was one of the predictions I had. Young Avengers is in play. I don't know about Hulkling, but certainly Young Avengers is in play. Well, they in have some the scrolls. Form. Hulkling is a scroll. We're True. getting super deep now, so if you're not a super comic <laughs> yeah, need, yeah, yeah. But uh, but and I that's do, what we call the geek buddies. I, but I'm really excited for uh, more LGBTQ representation. And Wiccan right. and Hulkling are two of the cutest gay couple. Or they, they're one of the cutest gay couples in uh, comics. So. Yeah, I'd like to get a Latino hero. Is that too much to ask? I'd like to get one. <laughs> we talked about this. Who are the big Latino comic book heroes? Blue Beetle, but that's Ghost not, Rider. That's DC. <laughs> He said comic book. He didn't say Marvel. I did not say that is true. Uh, uh, isn't there a Latina superhero? America Chavez? Yes. In Marvel? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see Silk. They announced it, but I don't know if it's going to happen. But I'd like to see It's Korean. I know it's Korean American, but I'd like to see Silk. I'd like to see Ms. Marvel that's Arab. I think she's Arab or Persian. That's Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. Yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. like to see that. The world has to open up. You know, I was interviewing Benjamin Bray and uh, Raul Castillo this week at Collider. They're bringing out that El Chicano movie, which is supposedly the first superhero, Latin American superhero movie, Latino superhero movie, right? Uh, He's essentially Zorro for the barrio. And we were talking about this idea of like, it's time because, and this was a New York Times article with those guys as well, the Latino community is the highest percentage of people who go see movies repeatedly in the theater. So eventually, you have to cater to that community. I read an article today. Enough uh, is enough. I read an article today with one of the casting directors for Marvel. Mm-hmm. And they talked about, I mean, Endgame, Endgame does this by the end. I mean, Thor sort of passes on. Valkyrie is yeah. now ruling right. Asgard. And uh, Cap gives Sam the shield. So the Falcon is now Captain America. Yeah. And so in a lot of those ways, they really have passed the torch. I mean, Captain Marvel... T'Challa is going to be a major player in the new Marvel Universe. And they actually spoke specifically about, A, it is important to have more diversity in your superhero communities. But B, they're like, it's show business and it's a business. But if you look at the money that Black Panther made and you look at the money that Captain Marvel made, it's a business opportunity as well. Like, people want to see themselves represented in these epic movies. And whether it is... the Spider-Verse won an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. So whether whether it is... uh, um, 
you know, people of color, uh, Latino Americans, LGBTQ community, women, everybody else. Like it's important that Marvel is taking these steps because they are the biggest game out there. And the fact that they're taking these steps will mean that other people will also take those steps, which I think is awesome. And they did say that Eternals was going to have a gay protagonist, right? Eternals. The rumors that Angela Jolie is going to play that part. We'll see. Uh, but yes, there will be a game protagonist. And of course, an Asian American with Shang-Chi coming out as well that's supposed to be coming out. Uh, and I interviewed Mike Rowe, who's going to be Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I asked him because there are rumors that he might be up for it. Patton Oswald, through his uh, Twitter handle, uh, put his support behind Mike Rowe being there. I or Mike, you were say Patton uh, Mike Oswald Mo was up for it. And I was going to say, <laughs> oh my God, no. I was confused. He's going to pull an Emma Emma Stone and be <laughs> <laughs> poor Emma. She's like the the go to for it now. She apologized. And, you should, and she's great about it. She's really great <laughs> I'm about sorry. it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's let's wrap up and talking real quick uh, before we wrap up here. Uh, Game of Thrones thoughts, feelings. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's a whole other. Maybe, yeah, maybe, well, maybe we, we catch up on it. Game of Thrones. Okay, next maybe we week. should catch up. But. Did you enjoy this last episode? Did you love this last episode? Or does it make you excited? Like, because I think we're going to go into two more like laid back episodes, like we had, and then we're going to have this final no. battle with Cersei. No, the big uh, traditionally in right. Game of Thrones seasons, the second to last episode is the penultimate, and the last episode sort of. Yeah, but those it's are ten spring- episodes. See, spring- this is only six, and it's the springboard for the next season, of which there's not going to be a next season. Right. So reason dictates. Do you want to read? Do you want to see a sixth episode that's just a denouement? I mean, yeah, kind of like the last thirty minutes of uh, Return of the King. Like, I need, okay. I need a minute to see them all sort of settle down. You need six endings that don't make any sense. Okay, well, there were six endings. They made sense. <laughs> um, I want to take you to a gay bar. Regardless, yes. regardless, I do think that um, I really did like the episode a lot. Me too. There's things that I didn't love about it. There's mm. things that I have questions about but i had i thought it was great mm-hmm. and the crowd that i watched it with we all cheered when we were supposed to cheer yeah. we're very excited about things i think i've watched the episode three times yeah to really take it all in um and i trust more than anything i think uh benioff and weiss has have lear- have earned our trust mm-hmm. so even the things that i was questioning i was i was i was shocked that the army of the dead sort of seemed to uh meet their end at the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that they were going to make it to the end and that was going to be the big thing, but I'm curious to see where it goes and I trust them. So yeah. I'm excited to see what the next three episodes bring. I trust them up to this point um, as a big action mm-hmm. fan and as a, uh, you know, aspiring action writer. Yeah. The, I got what they were doing that, you know, battle, a battle in the dark is confusing and it's disorienting. It's supposed to be. I get that. Um, why you didn't have like a full moon because eventually we were going to have the night King throw in that mist mm-hmm. and that fog. Like why not let us see a little bit more of it? Because when they're doing, when they're like, when they're retreating these people that have just been run over by a, you know, battalion of dead, yeah. dead, dead troops. I'm like, we ah, spatially, this is not making sense to me. Yeah. And watching it again, like where I saw it the first time, the TV, I, 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 it, there was a glare and I couldn't quite see everything. I watched it at home and I'm like, okay, I can see it better. This still doesn't make sense to me. Oh, you guys, I would like to see it. So you guys were invited to Gabay's. 
for the screen. We need to bring this all up on the podcast. We'll I'm, talk I, about this I was after. at Collider, so I didn't need the invitation. That's okay. fine with me. No, I, I enjoy. <laughs> I came back home after we did it at Collider. Did our by the way, eighteen thousand people watching with us live. Almost eighteen thousand watching with us live. Our review of it. Well, look at that. Your experience was better. That's right. And well, I came home and watched it on the OLED, and it was clear as day. So that I. I wonder about that because I get why people were frustrated by it, but I also think it's a battle at night. I didn't and I'm have like, you're, you're supposed I watched to it, feel claustrophobic. I watched it the first time on a TV where there was a little bit of a glare and it was a little dark and it, it was is. hard to see. And then I came home and watched it on my TV and I was like, no, oh, this is fine. It didn't yeah, bother me at all. So I do think a lot of it was the TV that you watched it on. Yeah. Um, I did appreciate the, the dark. The dark part isn't what bothered me. I have more questions yeah. about arcs for characters where they're going what's happening oh, Arya snuck by all these guys who were you know what that doesn't bother me it does she was she was trained. that literally like yeah, we, that's what somebody I said love, to me somebody said that like, to me okay. somebody said that to me and i was like so wait a minute i just want to be clear she dressed up as filch from harry potter True. chopped up some children and baked them in pies and that didn't bother you at all right but the fact that she rushed past some dead dudes to like air jordan somebody that was hard for you. I was like, people, calm down, people. Yeah. I is, believe. What is, what is the term when a character can do it? Is it Mary Sue? No. Oh, no, no. Uh, we she's are not. not a Mary Sue. No, 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 no. Uh, that's what I'm saying is that she's not that. No, she's because, not. Because she spent time in Bravos. Yeah. She spent seasons gonna, away with different people. A lot of people were. We're, we're going to spend, we're gonna spend yeah. a whole day one day on Geek Buddies talking about Mary Sue and how it's the worst term ever and needs to be retired. And <laughs> but that's to, for another day. Right. We'll need to have a woman on for that. And I'm saying sure. that's not what she was. Right. No, no, no. Not. You're right. No, I agree. <laughs> she's not. She's not. But some no, people I, on Twitter. Yes. And in fact, the reason that Mary ridiculous. Sue is a horrible term that needs to be retired is the very fact that you can take a girl who in the first episode of season one wanted to be a fighter, yeah. trained for eight seasons to be a fighter, and then was an awesome fighter, and guys are still saying she's a Mary Sue. Get the fuck out of here. Not just guys. But yeah, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. All right. This seems like the perfect time to wrap up the first episode of the Geek Buddies. Um, thank you, everybody, who listened to this first ep- debut episode. As Michael uh, regaled us with earlier, there will be multiple segments, interviews, avenues that we explore in this show that's going to be a lot of fun. This is just the beginning. This, you're, you're, If you listen to this episode, you're in on the bottom floor of a thing that's going to blow up. So welcome aboard. I'm glad you got your ticket. And we really appreciate you joining. Uh, what do you guys want to say to wrap up the show here? Uh, my name is Shannon McClung. <laughs> and if you would like to follow me on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. And if you would like to go to my, I hate doing this. Uh, I hate it. If you would like to go to my Facebook fan page. No, no, no. It's uh, the thing that I keep have to going, say keep going. Time. Go to the Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Shannon McClung fan page and give it a like. Yeah. That's the thing. And then eventually Shannon will get a fucking Instagram as God is my witness. <laughs> now that he's on the geek buddies, he will have an Instagram. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, Mike Vogel at MKToon on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, hit me up. Tell me what you want to hear about. Tell me what you want to talk about. Tell me, uh, tell me your favorite things. Tell me your controversial things, and uh, let's bring it on the show and let's talk about it. Absolutely. As the show gets bigger, we're definitely going to incorporate y'all's tweets, y'all's questions, things of that nature. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like Michael said earlier, we want to make our buddies, your buddies, all of us geek buddies, geek buddies community talking about the nerdy stuff, the geeky stuff in the world in a positive way. Doesn't mean we can't disagree, but it means at the end of the day, we still are uh, unified in our love of things. So 
that's the way it goes down. You can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. Yeah, let us know what you want to talk about. Let us know what you want us to discuss. If it strikes a chord with either one of us, we'll bring it up and, and have a discussion and give you all credit about it. Um, follow us uh, on the. I think it's the 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 underscore geek underscore buddies there on Twitter and on Instagram. Look for that. You'll see our logo there. Um, and uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at thegeekbuddies at gmail.com. Maybe we'll read some of your questions on air. We'll have a conversation about it. All those things are in play, but we appreciate you joining us for this first episode and uh, for the first of many, many to come. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon on The Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.